0: Pray with me, if you will. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Lord God, we thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above, Lord God. We thank you for your gifts and graces, Lord God, and your mercy which is everlasting and your truth which endures for all generations, Lord God. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross. Guide every word that I say and pour out your Holy Spirit on everyone gathered here, Lord God. Lord God, forgive us for any sins and help us to forgive others, Lord God. Lord God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For you are the king of glory. You are the Lord strong and mighty. You are the Lord mighty in battle. You are the good shepherd, the bishop of souls, the roles of sharing. And it is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 So it's summertime. Uh, We've got people that are finishing school. Some people that are on their way to finishing school, depending on what time the school year started and all of that good stuff. But we are going into summertime right now. And one thing I remember about summertime was uh, spending those summers in Freeport, Illinois at my grandmother's house and what I would do from time to time to pass the time is collect fireflies. I used to love collecting fireflies. Some people called them lightning bugs. Some people called them glowworms. I would love to see them at night. I'd go out and we could see a lot Uh, from my grandmother's backyard or just being out and about, and I would see them flying around, and I liked to look at them. And I would try to collect them because I wanted to take these fireflies home with me to my grandma's house and get that enjoyment that I saw with them out in the field at home. That was a little harder than I thought it would be. So you put them in these mason jars. Grandma had a lot of mason jars, and so I'd put them in the mason jars, and they would get out. So then I started thinking, so I put a lid on the mason jar, and they would die. Well, let's poke some holes in the lid of the mason jar. And then they would survive, but they would not burn as bright as they did in the field. So I thought i got to figure out a way to do it, so I added more fireflies. Still didn't burn as bright. I'd put grass and twigs and leaves in it so make it think it was outside because I wanted it to burn, that fire, I wanted it to burn as bright as it did at first. No dice. The fire seemed to go out. And I have to say that I thought it was just me but I don't see as many fireflies now as I did when I was growing up. I thought it was me, but according to some research, they estimate that the insect population of those fireflies is down, uh, by some estimations, as much as 70%. Something has caused the fire to go out. And not just for summer fun or insects, But something has caused the fire to go out in our day-to-day lives. We are in a point where you can have up to 6 million people in a metropolitan area, but only 400,000 go to church. Something has caused the fire to go out. The largest group of religious people growing right now are the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, non-affiliated. They don't want anything to do with the church. Something has caused the fire to go out. Something has caused the fire to go out in attendance. You'll have churches that have 500 people on the rolls but 50 in service. Something has caused the fire to go out. You'll have 50 in service, but five in Bible study and and Sunday school. Something has caused the fire to go out. We have this passage of scripture that is written by the same author as the gospel according to Luke. And he's talking about this fire that came upon the people, uh, the Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover, Penta 50, Pentecost. They call it counting the Omer. So 50 days after Passover, they would have this celebration. It was a first fruits celebration. It happened every year on the Hebrew calendar in the third month, and it was seven complete weeks from Passover, Passover. The historian Josephus called it a week of weeks uh, because they had seven full weeks and that would get you 49 days and then the 50th was Pentecost. It's the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot in Hebrew. It is the second first Fruits celebration of the people of God during the year and it's a wheat harvest. Uh, It's given by God so the the wheat harvest is, is acknowledged to come from God and so they give this celebration where they offer the first fruits of their harvest to praise God for what God has done and understand that God is going to provide for them throughout the rest of the year. So this Pentecost, while we celebrate it as a move of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, it is something that had been going on for the people of God for years before. It was the time during this time where the Romans were on edge uh, because a revolution could possibly happen at this time. This was a pilgrimage festival. They had decided they they had spread out all the the Hebrew people. uh, They were spread out all over the world. But during these pilgrimage, these pilgrimage festivals, they would all come together. And when all these people got together, they might think, you know what? I really don't like this oppression thing that's going on with us. We got the numbers. We might need to do something about it. We're all here together, working together. We might need to do something about it. Judas Maccabeus, one of the leader the leaders who the Maccabean re- uh, rebellion, uh, rather uh, the Maccabean rebellion, was named after someone who was able to fight the Romans off for a while. That was why uh, hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came. That's why so many different people were named Judas. At the time, he came in during such a pilgrimage festival and revolted because he got all these people together and they were here to thank God and thank God for what all God has done and thank God for what God is going to do. And they got to thinking, well, maybe we need to get up out from under these Roman people. So the Romans were on edge during these times when all these people got together and he was so successful at it, that's how other people got named Judas. Uh, That's how the one who betrayed Jesus got named Judas. Judas became a common name based on what Judas Maccabeus did. Kind of like I expect to see a whole lot of Barack Obamas running around. It was an inspired name, but we've come to take it to mean something that is a traitor. When somebody betrays you, you call them a Judas now. But these times were when people were on edge because there was this pilgrimage festival that they were doing. All the God-fearing people would come together at this time. Exodus 23:14 through 17 said three times, you shall keep a feast for me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall not eat unleavened bread for seven days as I commanded you at the time, appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of your labor, which are sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. That Feast of the Harvest is what he's talking about when it's the, 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 the Pentecost. And three times uh, in the year your males shall appear before the Lord God. And then Exodus, 20, Exodus 34, 22-24 says, And you shall observe the Feast of Weeks. The first fruit of the harvest, the the first fruit of the wheat harvest and the feast of the end gathering at the years and three more times you should appear before the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy, he says "At three times a year, your males shall appear before the Lord and place which he choose at the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks and the feast of tabernacle. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So this was an agricultural celebration. They were celebrating the harvest. And they came to God because God had done so much for them that he offered something that you were supposed to offer something for him for what he has done. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 at this point. Uh, 1 Corinthians written by the uh, apostle Paul. was written to the church at Corinth, and the whole 15th chapter, which actually makes a great Easter service sermon, because that's the oldest uh, account of the Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but then the first thing that happens in round about 1 Corinthians 16 is he says, now concerning the collection." Uh, so we divided up the chapters, people making it easier to read when 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 the, when these books of the Bible were written, they didn't have verses and chapters in it. So all of 15 talks about Christ died for your sins. Christ rose from the dead. Christ died for your sins and Christ rose from the dead. And then he goes on to say now concerning the collection. Uh, that word that they use for collection in the Greek. Is the same root word that we also get eulogy from uh collection and eulogy same thing, and so he says essentially, Christ died for your sins. How good is your eulogy? uh I'm on my third appointment in five years that's that comes with the territory we we have to be itinerant and so when You move from church to church. That doesn't stop people from going on to glory. Uh, And so when I first get out of church, the eulogy may not be the best. Eulogy means to speak well of a person. And so in some instances, the eulogy may not be that well. Or you may have to call the the, the pastor that just left and ask them to do the eulogy. Have the pastor that's sitting in there, you know, do the service and somebody else who knows the person better do the eulogy. But then when I get here a little longer and get to know the people, my eulogy will be better. And then after I spend more time with the people and more time with the people, the eulogy will be even better. So when I look at this and I think about going before the Lord empty handed and thanking God for what God has done and, and thanking God for what God is going to do. I think about 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 because essentially Christ died for your sins. How good is your eulogy going to be? Do you need to call somebody else to take care of your eulogy for you? Are you going to give an okay eulogy? Or are you going to give a great eulogy? But here this is, is the Feast of Tabernacle. I mean, not the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Wheat's the wheat harvest, and they're offering their things to God, and then they moved on from offering their things to God from an agricultural first fruits offering to the uh, to a time where they would read the Torah. After the destruction of the temple, they would they would uh, they would these these festivals that they had they would still gather to do the festivals, but since they had moved from growing. And, and planting and farming to, to a more industrialized society that those, those celebrations now became a time to dig into the word. So we move from just giving to spending some time in the word. Uh, the Bible tells us not to let the words depart from our lips. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that, that uh, to study and show ourselves approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So as we move on just from what's going on, we also need to move towards discipleship. Yes. And so this, this, this festival became a time where they would gather to get the word. And so while we celebrate that this feast, this, this, not the feast, but this, this celebration of Pentecost is going on and it's a move, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we also have our own responsibilities to do How can we know what God has for us if we don't know what God said to us? And so they gathered as their usual custom. Every year in this upper room, the disciples had gathered as their usual custom in this upper room. And they were met by the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered in one place. Uh, Some translations say they were all on one accord. Uh, If we are to go anywhere as a church, we need to be on one accord. How can two walk together unless they agree? If we are to be anything in this church, we ought to be on one accord, and that means that everybody can't do the same thing. Just checking to make sure if it's still working. If we're going to work together, we all got to be on one accord. And so that means that some of us are going to have to do different jobs. We can't all go for the nice, shiny, good-looking jobs. We can't all have our names printed first in the bulletin. We can't all have ourselves on the microphone. There's work to be done, and we all have to be on one accord. And so they have these cloven tongues that come out and the, the Holy Spirit pours out on all the people. Uh, this is the same thing that was this outpouring that was predicted by John the Baptist in Luke 3.16 and Jesus predicted it in Luke 24 and 49 and in Acts 1.4-8. That same spirit that was poured out on the people was the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same spirit that was poured out on the people is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the same spirit that flows in each and every one of you. Uh, This 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 same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have Uh, the text says in greater works that we should do. We just need to tap into the Holy Spirit. Uh, One theologian described the spirit as shared permanent property of the people of God. Uh, We all get filled with this Holy Spirit, and because these people were filled with the Holy Spirit in the text, there were sounds, there were sights, and there were speeches. Uh, There were sounds, a sound like a mighty wind from heaven filled the upper room. Sometimes when you tap into the Holy Spirit, you are going to hear things that you have never heard before. You are going to hear things that sometimes everybody else don't hear. You are going to hear things that embolden you and make you you brave when you should be scared. You are going to hear things that give you favor in certain situations and you'll be able to tap into the Holy Spirit. This same spirit that raised God, Jesus from the dead, is flowing in you. And so you'll hear some sounds you may not have heard before. And not only will you hear some sounds that you have never heard before, when that Holy Spirit gets to working in you, you may see some things you have never seen before. Ah, the, the tongues of fire appear and, and, and rested on the heads of all the believers. Have you ever been touched by fire? Have you ever touched something that was too hot? Have you ever touched something that was too warm? When you do it, you move a whole lot quicker than you would normally move. When you do, you touch, you say some things, your vocabulary expands in a way that it may not have expanded before. You will move and have a gumption and a pep and your step that you didn't know you had. When that holy the, the the and you will see some things that you've never seen before. You'll see God raise up some people that you would have thought were never qualified to do something. You'll see God move in your life in ways that you never thought were possible. When the Holy Spirit moves in you, you will see things you have never seen before. Amen. And not only will you you hear things you've never heard before, and you will see things that you've never heard you've never seen before. You will say. Things that you have never said before or in some cases not say some things you would normally say the whole Holy Spirit help me hold my tongue. Uh, Holy Spirit help me you will get the things to say uh, the tongues of fire and speaking in the different tongues allow these 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 apostles to give a public testimony of Jesus Christ to all the people that were in Israel. Uh, Bishop Jones said it, uh, that everybody heard the gospel in their own language. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 30 that lets us know that this is a gift for some to be used to edify the entire congregation. Let me slow down and say that again. This is a gift of God that is used to edify the entire congregation. They say that the third time's a charm. This is a gift of God that is used to edify the entire congregation. So... If you lock into the Holy Spirit before some of your brothers and sisters in Christ, that does not mean you are God, you got a gift that you get to hoard for yourself. This is for the edification of the kingdom. So when you get the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to use it to help God's church. Uh, We move, they start off in the upper room in Acts 2.1. They're by themselves, the disciples are. And the Holy Spirit moves. And when the Holy Spirit moves through them, they get the Holy Spirit. And then they go take it outside. I'm still in the text. Two and one says the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of wind from heaven filled them. And they were in the house. The whole house where they were sitting. Now that goes down and it says in verse 5 Now they were staying in Jerusalem And God fearing Jews from uh, uh, Every nation under heaven So they took it out Of the upper room So when you get within the walls Of the church And you get filled with the Holy Spirit It ain't just for you It ain't just for you to hop And dance and sing and get filled With the Holy Spirit You're supposed to take it out To the people around the church, the Holy Spirit is here to move us out of the confines of these four walls so that we can make a difference in our communities. Uh, It lets us know that this is an offering of the community. It moves from private to public. It starts in the upper room but spills out into the crowd just like we ought to take the Holy Spirit and share it with others. Uh, the Holy Spirit will take you where you can't go on your own. The Holy Spirit will take you where you can't go on your own and have you say what you can't say on your own. And have you talking to people that you can't talk to on your own. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. The Holy Spirit will allow you to reach the community. The Holy Spirit will allow you to say the right thing. So that way, when somebody walks in here that's down and out on like, on their look, when somebody here that doesn't have the type of education you think they should have to be a member of this church, that somebody doesn't have the type of income that you think they should have to be a member of this church, will still be brothers and sisters in Christ. It will have you saying things and doing things and evangelizing the people that you would not normally evangelize to. And it will give you the right thing to say in those moments so that you can be of use to the kingdom of God. And so you'll have this wind. You'll have this fire and you'll have this inspired speech. The wind that will give you that energy, that second wind that goes on, you won't grow tired while you are doing good. You'll have the fire and the passion to continue to work in ministry, to continue to save souls to Christ. And you'll have the speech in order to help build disciples and edify the kingdom. Uh, the Holy Spirit will take you where you need to go. I heard one theologian call the Acts of Pentecost a reverse of the Tower of Babel. Uh, here you had people trying, to, trying to, to build a tower to God on their own strength. And that tower was knocked down and their language was scattered. And people began to speak different languages and, and, and what they tried to do on their own was, tr- was trashed. But here you have the Holy Spirit pouring out on people. And, and, and this is bringing them together. And so here it is, the reverse of the Tower of Babel. When you try to do it on your own, it's going to crumble. But when you try to do it with God's timing and with God's work and with God's outpouring of the Holy Spirit, nothing can stop it. People are asked, how did you get where you got? By the help of the Holy Spirit. How were you able to do these things when normal people wouldn't have been able to do it on their own? It's by the help of the Holy Spirit. Somebody praying, somebody fasting, somebody reading God's word, somebody spending time in the church, somebody growing in disciples of Christ, somebody growing in God. You can't make it on your own if it had not been. For the Lord on my side, where would I be with men and women? Some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so these cloven tongues that poured on the Spirit brought a crowd. Let the church say crowd. Uh, Jews that came from over a dozen foreign countries to attend the Feast of Pentecost. And they are amazed to hear their own language being spoken by the apostles. Uh, It's over 15 nations that stretch as far north as the people can go in that time And as far south as the people can go And as far east as the people can go And as far west as the people can go When you work, when the Holy Spirit is at work It does not matter the distance When the Holy Spirit is at work You might be worried The the things that you would be worried about Like time and, and resources to do it When the Holy Spirit is at work It will stretch way farther than you can by your own natural power and so all these people in the, in the list is as far as north and as far as south and as far as east and as far as west. So over 15 pe- people from over 15 different countries that gathered together for this Pentecost worship. And they hear the gospel in their own language. They're able to be related to in their own language. It didn't say nothing about these apostles going to seminary. I'm I'm happy that I have this masters in divinity by all means and I've been able to grow in my preaching and discipleship But if God calls you to do something, you don't have to go to seminary to be effective in the kingdom You don't have to have finished high school You can have an 8th grade education when God calls you to do something and works through the Holy Spirit when you, it will get done And so these people were able to hear in their own language. The Bible didn't say nothing about them going to some school and learning how to do all these different languages. It said that the Holy Spirit allowed them to hear in their own language. So if God be for you, who can be against you? And so you had men in the crowd from all over. And these men were marveling at it and shocked that they had heard the, 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 the gospel in their own language. But because you had this crowd, there was confusion. Let the church say confusion. Uh, People asked, what can this mean? They must be drunk. Uh, Every time you try to do something good, understand that there are going to be some haters. Understand that there are going to be some people that understand how you got to where you got or what you're doing, what you're doing. They will not understand. And some will even say negative things about you. Ain't no way you could have got that with what you've done. I know this person. God can't be moving in their life like this. This is a drunk accident. Uh, They can't be doing these things and saying these things and accomplishing these works. You will run into that. But with confusion comes clarification. Let the church say clarification. Uh, We have a speaker making a statement based on some scripture. Uh, The speaker is Peter. This same Peter who had denied Jesus three times before the the, the rooster crowed. This is the same Peter who denied Christ and is getting the Holy Spirit. And this same Peter who was was hiding when it got tough and rough is sticking up for the people. So if God can use somebody that's got a little bit of mouth on them, if God can use somebody that has a bit of an anger problem, if God can use somebody that always had the sword on side and when it was time to get rough, got rough. If God used somebody that uses some words that you won't find in the 21st, the 23rd Psalm or any of these places, if God can use somebody like that to become the leader of the church, what more can he do with any of us? And so this same Peter who denied Christ is now standing up for the people. Publicly standing up for the people. And saying that these men are not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Ain't no way they drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. And he makes the statement and he backs up his statement with scripture. Uh, he tells the crowd that they are, they, are, they are performing what the prophet Joel said and foretold in Joel 2 and 28. And it says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on the servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Holy Spirit in these days. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And anyone... And anyone Anyone Who calls on the name of the Lord Will be saved Uh, He talks about this pouring out of the Holy Spirit See before this time You would see the Spirit of God moving, but it was through a select few people. It was for a select purpose. But what made Pentecost so special this time is that this Holy Spirit that had been poured out on a select few was now getting spread out amongst all those who believed. Uh, this 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 Holy Spirit that was only moving in certain people was now expanding. This was the church growth plan. It was shared so nobody else had to hoard it. Nobody else could hide it. It was available to all. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have this Holy Spirit operating in you. You just got to be able to tap into it. Right, so he tells them about God, the Spirit of God being poured out on all the people and even the servants. Uh, he's got the old men, the young men, the children, even the servants. Because you would think that the, what would happen with certain people was the servants, the slaves. We're, were just gonna be plain about it. They weren't treated like people. So we got the highest social class that's getting the spirit poured out on, and the lowest social class. There's no thing that separates them, not education, not, not income, not where they live, not where they went to high school, not what city they're from, not the way they conjugate verbs. None of that is important. The Holy Spirit is pouring out on all of them, whether or not they was born and raised in the church or they just came to the church off the street, whether or not they do the super safe. Bishop of all or just a lowly member who comes in and sweeps the floor when nobody else is looking The Holy Spirit is poured out on all of you It doesn't matter where you came from It doesn't matter how much money you got in your pocket It doesn't matter what pew you sit on It doesn't matter what church you started off in The Holy Spirit is poured out on all the people And everybody who called on the name of the Lord will be saved uh, 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 the, we moved from an agricultural celebration Where people were making offering of the wheat harvest at this time To a time where they went, when they started celebrating the word That's when they would gather together And the word would be shared uh, The word, the Torah at that time But the word was being shared with the people Well the Bible says and right around John 1 in the beginning Was the word And the word was God And the word was with God And I like to skip past one and get on down to 14 And it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among them So that word that we now transition While they transition from an agricultural celebration To dispensing the word It's now for us to understand that we need to celebrate the living word That Jesus is the living word uh, the, the, The way maker the heart fixer, the mind regulator, the the, the one that's the doctor in the sick room, the lawyer in the courtroom, Jesus, we ought to be able to celebrate that and allow the fire not to go out in us because there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh! I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Is there anybody here that can testify to the goodness of Jesus? The heart fixer, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the good shepherd, Jesus, the way maker, the sustainer, Jesus, the atmosphere changes, Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, Jesus. Jesus, the more I call him, the better I feel Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords There is none like him Jesus, the one who hung, bled and died for our kids Jesus, because he did that We can't let the fire go out He didn't let the fire go out on the way to the cross He didn't let the fire go out on the cross. He didn't let the fire go out when he died. He didn't let the fire go out three days later when he rose with all power in his hands. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. away. But there is something about that name, Jesus. The Sheep Gate, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily in the Valley, the Bright Morning Star, the one who was and is and is to come, Jesus.